So good morning, everyone, and uh, welcome to this week's MediaWorks Digital Masterclass. It's Tuesday, 2nd of Feb, 2021, almost said 2020 there. Um, I suppose the title for today is How to Avoid Search Ranking Armageddon, Armageddon, which feels a little bit terrifying, and it's all going to be focused around Google's key algorithm update that is due to be rolled out in May 21, also kind of known as, as Core Web Vitals Update. Um, just as a, a quick follow-up to today for any attendees, MediaWorks are offering a free uh, Core Web Vitals audit. Um, and again, if you're listening on the podcast at a later date, um, please feel free to email us at uh, info at mediaworks.co.uk and, and we'll be happy to help you out with that. Um, in terms of the agenda for today, so anyone who's been on one of these before and is familiar with it, there'll be sort of four or five key topics for discussion over the next 30 minutes that We'll want to run through with the, the panelists and then there'll be an opportunity for some Q&A at the end. But again, if, if, if there is any questions throughout, feel free to ask. And, and if there's any pertinent to the kind of topic we're talking about at the time, then we'll, we'll pick those up as we go as well and kind of interweave those in. In terms of the panel today, so we've got myself, uh, Brett Jacobson. I'm founder and CEO of MediaWorks. We also have Daniel Hogan, who's CTO at MediaWorks. Good morning, everyone. We also have Kev Strong, who's head of search at MediaWorks. Hi, everyone. And finally, last but not least, we've got Andrew Blankensop, who's MediaWorks creative director. Morning, everybody. So um, in terms of kind of, I suppose, uh, the theme of the description of today before we kind of get into the meat and bones of it. So Google announced way back, well, I mean, we started advising clients maybe last July that this, this change was en route. Um, Google very rarely gives us any heads up to these sort of updates and, and the fact that they've made an announcement maybe nine to 12 months in advance tells us this is going to be big. Um, it's, it's, I suppose, if your business or anybody attending today's business is reliant on people finding you through the search engines, which most businesses are, then, then May 21 is going to be a crucial time for, for your business and most businesses. Um, we did some analysis on the attendees today and around 80% of the people signed up for this webinar's um, current website failed Core Web Vitals, which is, is pretty scary. Um, but we'll go into more detail of, of why that might be and, and what steps you can kind of take to rectify that. And, and I think, you know, now this year more than ever with the impact of COVID and digital transformation and, you know, your users' needs, this is something every business needs to be putting a, a huge focus on. Um, interestingly, it's, it's probably Google's first algorithm that's been really heavily focused on more kind of UX elements and more customer experience, which can only be a good thing for everybody, um, where traditionally it's been more SEO-related factors. Um, but undoubtedly, this is going to have a big impact on, on every business um, coming, coming May. And uh, so, yeah, now's the time to take impact and, and get yourself ready for that rollout because Nobody wants to be the brand that everybody talks about who disappeared overnight when Google made a change. So um, I'm sure nobody on this call will be that person. So um, before we kind of, yeah, let's just get jumped straight into it. So first question really, and I suppose putting this to you, Dan, to get us kind of kicked off is, you know, what is the Core Web Vitals update and why is it important to my business and brand? And, and I'm sure guys, you can chip in there after from Dan. 
Yeah, sure. So I suppose probably first we should give a bit of context in terms of, you know, how does the, the Google kind of ranking, ranking algorithm work and how does it operate from a top level perspective? So I suppose for everyone on the webinar, you know, Google tweaks a search algorithm regularly and they have this algorithm that's there to determine where a site should rank in the search results. Um, you know, and, and that's important for all aspects, you know, getting in front of customers, generating leads, generating sales. And I think that the key with the Core Web Vitals is that this is an important change, that algorithm. It's not just a standard tweak. It's a major change because what they're doing is including some new ranking factors. So ranking factors really are just, you know, lots of different elements that Google looks at, you know, hundreds of different elements it looks at and says, okay, based on all of these elements and each one of those elements is weighted differently, where should this page or where should this website rank in the search results? And those things are continually tested. You know, the weightings on those factors change up and down. And that's why you often see rankings um, with updates. You know, some sites go up, some go down, like Brett was saying, and you don't want to be the site that goes down. You want to be the site that goes up because actually you do what Google wants you to be doing. But in the case of Core Web Vitals, what they're actually doing here is they're bringing in three additional ranking factors, three measures that we'll, we'll come on to in a bit that are rolling out in May that are being added to this mix. So this is not just about changing the weighting on things that it was already looking at that have always been important from an SEO perspective. There are about three new things that, that are really coming in around page experience and something that, that um, Google's really pushing. Kev, anything you kind of want to want to add to that from an SEO perspective? Yeah, definitely. I think it's it's good that Google are doing this because, like Dan says, they have been tweaking everything over the last sort of several years. But you know, the, the adding to the, the continual pots. So they, you know, they used to do um, you know um, safe browsing. So they would try to deter people from visiting websites that were deemed unsafe. They were doing mobile friendly as part of a ranking algorithm. They introduced the uh, HTTPS, the core encryptions. Um, you know, there's lots of things that they were doing from a user's experience that were bleeding into the SEO aspect. So I think what Google are doing is they're going to be releasing the page experience signals. But what they've done this time is they've actually told us what is actually going to be affected um, or what what what. what things we need to change that's going to have an impact on this uh, page experience signals update. And I think the three things that, that Dan mentioned there are, are very important to understand. The first one that the, they are going to be releasing, we'll go into more detail, I think, as well, because it, you know, it's a big topic, is it's going to be a thing called Largest Contentful Paint. Um, we, we basically call it LCP now. There's interactivity on the website as well, which is a first input delay. And then there's the visual aspect of the website. So we're, you know, we're looking at a thing called cumulative layout shift. And with these three updates, that forms the, the, the core web vitals update that's going to come out. And the, the, the big focus, if I'm right, Dan, as well, and Kev, is that the majority of this impact is, is all just going to be focused on mobile initially and i know again you know we, we saw google move to a kind of mobile first index kind of over the last 24 months so google's appreciating that users habits are changing evolving i think the latest stats are like 55 or 60 percent of traffic's now going through mobile devices so google's focus is moving to this area so is it dan what what, what is that kind of mobile implication so so it's correct i think you know there was a bit of uncertainty when they first announced this update and it was you know is it going to impact desktop and mobile but google have confirmed that initially it's all about mobile search so i think the key bit that you're saying there Brett, though is that you know majority of sites now have more mobile traffic than they have desktop so actually what you need to do is make sure that you 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 pass these core web vitals for mobile but equally you know in the future it might come to desktop this is something that google's starting to roll out they might decide that actually these become desktop ranking factors as well. But also remember that there's benefits outside of just 
ranking on the search results. You know, if you have a great page experience, it may it will help with Core Web Vitals, but it'll also help when people land on your site. So don't just because it's mobile think about the mobile only. That will be your priority. But remember that actually desktop and mobile do different things. And and Google are very focused on mobile. You know, a huge proportion of their traffic comes from mobile devices. So they're looking to make sure they get the best results when you're in a kind of in in terms of time, you want to get it on the mobile, on the go, and convenience is important. So actually page experience is, is vital from a mobile perspective. So yeah, I suppose remember it's mobile only, but actually don't forget about desktop because if you do that, it could impair you in the future and will give you more benefits in the short term as well. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Andy, anything you want to sort of put into that from a creative or a development piece? I think, it, it, first of all, I think you've kind of touched on it. As Google have kind of shifted towards this, you know, first of all, it was like the your, yeah, your website had to be mobile responsive because there was an appreciation that the mobile kind of usage was on, on, on the up. And then they flipped the algorithm to kind of prioritize the rankings based on mobile, mobile over desktop. So they've been nudging in this kind of, in this mobile way but if you think you know even when we did the whole kind of responsive you know making sure your website was responsive it wasn't a case of just go and fix mobile you had to always have your eye on desktop because not everybody's kind of quite had that mobile moment yet although we know it's coming we're still going to there's still going to be a large percentage of businesses that still have a lot of desktop traffic it's just kind of who you are but you've got to kind of almost as dan said look after your users and then kind of also that should subconsciously i suppose take mm -hmm. care of google itself um because you know when you talk about some of the things and, and what this is driving about page speed you know first um first pain largest contentful pain it's all about an improved experience and that an improved experience on site will not just do the ranking factors dan touched on but it's going to fix your cro program it's going to make your paid adverts perform better so all in all it's just kind of it's going to make everything better not just your rankings by giving a better experience to your customers and you need to do that on desktop as well as mobile. So yeah, mobile now, but don't don't forget about desktop because you've still got a load of customers that are using that on a daily basis. Yeah, and Dan, in terms of, we had a question there just coming again saying, so when will this affect desktop rankings if mobile will be affecting me? There's obviously, you know, we, we, don't, we don't know when that desktop rollout will be, but undoubtedly Google does operate in a way where it is hitting mobile first and, and ultimately it will be yeah. rolled to desktop at some point. Yeah, uh, potentially, but again, the thing is, I think in Google's eyes, you know, a lot of the stuff that you roll out on mobile will naturally roll out on desktop. So the, the key focus there is that a lot of this thing will roll out naturally. It's not to say that, that desktop will definitively come, but um, it will come as a consequence of, of the salt and the stuff on mobile. Um, and I think the other thing, but there's was, there was a question in the chat rather than the Q&A about, you know, if the website hasn't met the criteria made, then what can we expect in terms of loss of rankings? And if so, how fast? And I suppose really that is a big question that, that everyone kind of is asked about this. You know, what happens if we don't pass come May and what is the impact? And I think you kind of touched on it at the start is that this is the first publicly announced algorithm update. You know, everything has happened post. They've come out and said we've done Penguin, we've done Panda. And these were all things around major updates and, and areas that weren't new from an SEO point of view. They were just to improve the results. This is a new area, which is why they've given us this, this update. But I think... You know, you've got this time to try and get you in the right place. But come May, I think, you know, as we said, there's 80-odd eight, percent of people on this, this webinar haven't passed those core web vitals. So it's not going to be as much of a stark change come May, I don't think, in terms of your rankings, because there's going to be a lot of people you're competing with. But actually, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, if you don't get on top of it now and your competitors do, you're going to see a continual decline in your rankings. So for me, I, I wouldn't expect come, you know, 1st of May to see all of your mobile rankings disappear. What I'd expect to see is they constantly erode. So the key really is, is 
what we're saying is get on top of this now so you're not one of those businesses where you start losing market share and your competitors gain it because you know th- there's a huge risk there yeah absolutely and i think i think something we're going to come to probably in the next area is that it, it's not like a few of those other technical seo fixes where you can literally just embed best practice and and and, and cover yourself there's going to be some real business trade-off discussions and decisions have to be made with this where you might have certain um, elements of your business that operate that that force you to have a lower score that you might have to consider. And again, Dan, we'll, we'll, we'll come to this in a, in a bit further on, but there's, there's another question there, Dan. So could search results differ between mobile and web users, i.e. could you appear on page one of a mobile result, but page three of a desktop result? Yes, totally. And I, outside of Core Web Vitals, that, that happens now. You get very different results on mobile to desktop, really dependent on the query. You know, Google looks at lots of different things as part of that algorithm. So if you're searching on the mobile and you're searching for something that might actually seem a bit more tailored to a location, it's probably going to give you a lot more localized results on mobile because it probably thinks you're on the go trying to find that. Whereas on desktop, it might give you, again, a different set of results that are more tailored to what you'd search for when you're at home or, or on, a, on a desktop machine. So totally, you know, it could be the case that your rankings start dropping on mobile. And, you know, we often look at, you know, third-party metrics, things like visibility. And again, you have a visibility on mobile and desktop. So often they're very similar, but in some instances where people have poor mobile experiences, you know, and, and when Google's looking at from a mobile first point of view, they can differ very, very differently. Thank you, Dan. And then Kev, there's another one just there before we kind of move on. Will other page experience signals such as HTTPS, safe browsing be a factor of core web vitals and do they need to be fixed alongside passing core web vitals? So, yeah, I don't think there will be a, a core part of Core Web Vitals, but definitely something you need to be doing. Um, Google announced yesterday um, that there was a, a beta um, coming out in the US where they're actually toying with the idea of using verified badges in the Google search results of websites that actually pass Core Web Vitals or whether they've actually got an HTTPS. Um, so it's definitely something that they're looking at. So, yeah, by all means, um, whilst it might not be directly mentioned in the Core Web Vitals, you should have already been doing it if you haven't already yeah. been. And if you haven't, you definitely need to be doing it. Yeah, I think... So I was going to say, I think that's a key point, Kev, which is actually you should have already been doing that stuff. They're, they were rank- ranking factors that Google brought in. So the only thing I would say is if you haven't got on top of those maybe use this as a, a package of work to say, actually, we need to fix Core Web Vitals, but let's fix everything around it. And, and you know, we'll probably come on during this, this seminar, how we would we would touch on the approach to, to come to Core Web Vitals. And for me, part of that is, is think of the whole page experience. Don't just think of these three metrics. These are really important, but let's fix everything we can because they're all interconnected. Yeah, I think, I mean, that, that moves us on nicely to the, the next area we want to look at, Dan. So, um, you know, before we get into the kind of technical elements, and I know there's been a few questions around what are those three key areas of, of, of core web vitals, we're going to come onto those in, in individual parts following this. But before we get into that, what kind of steps are we advising our clients and, and, and businesses to kind of take in preparation for this, Dan? Yeah, well, I think that the first thing is, is to remember that, you know, while this is going to impact your SEO performance and, and your mobile rankings, that this isn't just an SEO problem to fix actually this is a shared problem that needs to be you know your problem as a business it needs to be your your seo consultants um input and it needs your web development team as well on board to make these changes because you know every website is different 
So it's built in a different way. It uses different um, integrations and it all has separate challenges that you need to overcome to make sure that you, you pass Core Web Vitals. I think the other thing that's interesting is, you know, Google have come out and said, actually, to pass Core Web Vitals, it's not about passing two of three or one of three. It's about passing all three and it be in the green. So actually, all of the, 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 the kind of things you need to look at, you know, need to be addressed. But the key bit, apart, uh, apart from that, is, is that there isn't a silver bullet. You know, the, there's a huge proportion that need to fix this, but it really needs to be taken on a case-by-case -case basis in your particular website to understand what needs to be done to, to fix the problem. Um, and I think, you know, from there, it, it's, it's really a, a case of understanding how you do perform. And, and Kev, you, you'll probably touch on this better than me, but in terms of, you know, what are the tools that you can use to have a look at how you perform against Core Web Vitals and, and assess how you are in, in contrast to your, your competitors? Kev? Yeah, I think, yeah, I was just going to say that um, the the three, the, we basically approach it in a, in a way where we we look at three main tools that Google have actually provided. Like Brett mentioned there, you know, they announced this last year. Um, they've, they've actually been really helpful in terms of allowing us to, to see what needs to be fixed. Um, you know, what we'll be doing um, today is, you know, Brett mentioned, we're going to give out a complimentary audit of the site if you, if you, if you want one. Um, and we'll basically tell you, you know, where you're failing on the, um, the Google tools that, that, that they've gave out. I think the, the key one for me is um, there are three tools that, that you can use and they're all free from Google and they all are now integrating these, these scoring metrics into, into their tools. So, you know, you can use the Chrome user experience report. Um, the main one that everyone is using at the moment is the page speed insights tool. And then there's also the search console um, plugin now that, that Google have integrated, which is into the, um, the, the Core Web Vitals report directly in Search Console. So with all three of those tools, you'll be able to find out, you know, how the website can actually perform. Um, and, you know, we've actually developed our own little approach of, of how we would how we would want to, to do this, not just from a website, but from a, an overall performance of Core Web Vitals. Yeah, and I think we'll we'll put those um, tools in the in the chat, and we'll send that round with the podcast later. So there's some useful resources for everybody to to check against. But like Kev said, we'd be happy to do a, a detailed audit for everybody today. Um, Dan, off the back of that, I suppose there's there's a few questions coming in. So what are the top items? What's the approach like? What what would be our approach towards tackling this, and and how we'd recommend people look at it for their business? Yeah, well. I I think for me that there's two clear steps in this and the first piece is really this audit and investigate area that you need to look at and i think for that the approach really needs to be a market review you know you need to get these things fixed but again have a look in the context of your industry you know is everyone is everyone passing and you're not so that will give you a view on how much you need to prioritize certain activities um, and again we'll, we'll come on to it a bit but some of these things that you might need to fix as we say could be business decisions and they're not actually web development decisions you know you might use a a third-party integration that is core to the way your business operates but actually that that one piece of integration is the thing that makes you fail one of the metrics and actually there might be a, a huge business decision there to say we need to move away from this integration or change how it operates so actually from that point of view you need to really understand the market to say how much risk are, are we can make and what do we need to do to get that fixed in, in that timeline so market review is really important i think the other pieces we're saying you know it's all about mobile, but remember, it's it's not just about testing your homepage with the tools that Kev mentioned, because you can have different integrations on different pages. So for me, it's it's an analytical review of understanding your key landing pages, the ones that get the most traffic, drive the most revenue through mobile organic 
and that will give you that list. You can understand, do we pass across all of our you know, top 10, top 25 pages that gets the most traffic and revenue from mobile search? And then from there, you know, Ken mentioned is, is how we're doing the analysis around core web vitals, looking at these three metrics and evaluating any kind of issues or, or areas of investigation to, to kind of pass that core web vitals, but also have a look at general um, page experience and page load speed issues at the same time. Because actually, again, core web vitals are three metrics now. That's not to say that it come 18 months time that they won't be six metrics. So remember that like, what you want to do is, is use this as an impetus to just get on top of better page experience. So again, look at all of the things outside of core, core vitals that, that have an importance on page experience. And then the final piece, which is the big one, is build that roadmap ahead of May. You know, what, what things need to be fixed? What things do we need to discuss internally as a business? And remember that, as I said, there isn't just one fix to these things. And, and a lot of this is about test and learn. You know, it might be one particular integration that's causing you to have the biggest impact. But actually, if you can really improve lots and lots of other things on the site, you may be able to pass core vitals without changing that integration. Equally, that integration might be the one thing that's causing you to always fail. So there's a decision there as a business, what do you do? And I think, you know, that is the key thing, I suppose, that as I say, there isn't, there isn't a silver bullet, there isn't a one fix. It's all about test and learn. And I think, you know, this is what we're talking about with clients, which is, you know, we can help with the investigate stage, but there might be key decisions that people in the business need to make about passing or failing on on, on these metrics. Andy, I was just going to say, so you're obviously Andy, your your team, your, you know, the developers kind of reporting into you. What are some of those sort of third party um, plugins and elements that Dan's kind of referenced there? Is this things like live chat and stuff like this, where people have kind of plugged into the website and actually inadvertently could be causing big problems? Um, absolutely. I was going to go to live chat as the, as the example, Brett, you know, any kind of third party tools like that, which again, impact the way the business is run. You know, if you've got a fantastic kind of um, a well-engaged audience on live chat and it's a tool that you're using, but you've used a third party because there's loads of them out there that will allow you to turn on live chat really quickly. But, you know, in order to do that, it has to load in the header of every single page. So as Dan says, one thing could be affecting every page, but it does tend to be where we've tried to, potentially use third-party tools to speed up an integration or to use some other third-party off-the-shelf solution that is firing on every page. And that's, again, to back up exactly what Dan said, there is going to be trade-offs. You know, if that has to stay there, well, where else can we make savings? Is it more around really heavy load speeds on unnecessary image galleries? And it is very much a case of a case-by-case basis. But yeah, live chat integrations, you know, Zendesk, any customer support tools that you're using as a third party. You know, we, we've spoken in the past Brett, about, um, you know, things like that, tools that we, we really use as part of our day to day, like Hotjar, you know, if we're using things for screen recordings, we're going to have to be really clever, more so than we used to, around only having it active on the pages that we're testing, only really having it active when we are going through a testing phase. So it, it's, it's actually then if, if these tools are critical, because we know, you know, A-B testing and iteration is critical, let's use them more strategically and let's think about how we're using them. I think that's, it's about kind of similar to Dan said on a roadmap and having a plan around each of these individual facets that are going to impact it. I think yeah. the, the only other thing I'd add to that is that that test and learn philosophy kind of helps with, you know, it, it might be that, you know, you need this particular integration, but actually can you delay that loading on the page for 30 seconds and actually a user gets a great experience when they first land on it. And actually some of these secondary tools or integrations you're using come up afterwards and everything's not being factored in on, on first load. And that's what's slowing your, your page down. So 
it, it's all about that, that piece around case by case, understanding what you can do to, to pass in the best way that doesn't compromise um, your, your business operations. I think there's an, another thing there, sorry, Brett, um, is, you know, if you think about this exercise that we're about to go through and identifying a problem, test and learn to work a solution, there's a bit of an internal kind of, um, you know, knowledge share that has to be passed on. If you've got people that, that are then in charge of this CMS and updating the website, they are going to have to live by these rules as well, you know, as, you know, and, and kind of not go back and undo all of the work that you do. So there's a bit of an internal kind of education piece where people need to, once you've put it right, make sure it remains right and not kind of go against all of the rules and principles that you put in place to get that score just where it needs to be. Yeah, yeah. There's going to have to be a lot more policing of who gets access to CMSs and does Absolutely. what. Yeah, 100%. Yep. I mean, just to pick off a few of the questions we've got and keep the top of those. So there's been a few just asking just to reiterate what those three key areas are, which, like I say, we're about to go into in detail each one of the three key areas now, but just for everybody. So it's, it's largest contentful paint. Um, it's first input delay, and it is cumulative layout shift. So those are the three key areas you need to be thinking about. Um, Dan, do you want to pick off any of those other yep. just questions before sure. we should? Yeah, I think this is a great question about Tag Manager and, and will Tag Manager be key for third-party integrations? Probably the, the simple answer is probably not because actually, you know, often people don't implement Tag Manager in the right, right way, and, and what they do is allow everything to load through Tag Manager, but actually it's still pulling in all of that information. So if you have it hard-coded or through Tag Manager, it's still needed on page load. Therefore, actually, often Tag Manager can be one of the things that really slows your site down. So where you can, if you can hard-code some of those integrations into the site, we'd recommend you do. And if you can offset and put a delay on that, then that would be ideal where needed. But as I say, that's that test and learn approach. And use Tag Manager where you need to. It's got its benefits because you, know, you don't need development support to put things in place. But actually, it can have a knock-on effect. So making sure you're managing that the right way is really important. And I think the other interesting question was around AMP. And, you know, th this is the kind of accelerated pages that, that Google brought out. And they really pushed them for a while. And then they kind of, they were, you know, they, they weren't as much of a, a buzzword. But people were still thinking, you know, how do we work AMP in? Still very much about mobile. And the, the kind of the, the noises coming out of Google really is that if you have AMP pages, they should, in theory, pass Core Web Vitals. So, you know, if you already have AMP pages, then yes. If you don't, you know, and if you are someone that would be suited to AMP pages, you know, and we've done stuff with publishers in the past around this to drive content as quickly as possible to users, then then yes, um, that will really help you. Um, but it, it's not your only solution to Core Web Vitals. Um, so don't, don't think that's the only route you need to go down. Okay, cool. So, Kev, um, let's get to the let's get to the meat of it. So, Core Web Vitals. Firstly, um, how your website loads or largest contentful paint? What is this? How do we do stuff about it? Talk to us. So, yeah, I think this is the one that people will be more familiar with because it's a direct tie-in with page speed. Um, fundamentally, it's how long it takes for the the um, largest largest uh, parts of the website to actually load on the, on the site. So to me and you, that basically means, you know, the main image or the text, basically the, the biggest image, the biggest items on the page. So if you've got like a big hero banner, um, you know, that, that needs to be fully loaded to give a, a largest contentful pain score. Um, normally the, the score that, um, that Google are looking for at the minute should um, be under 2.5 seconds from when the first uh, the page first starts loading. So ultimately it's still relying and still focusing on that big page speed optimization aspect. I think for 
for users that I would still focus on, um, you know, unoptimized images. You had a perfect point there of, um, you know, allowing certain people access to the CMS. The amount of times we see people who've uploaded a fully high resolution DPI image where the website doesn't actually allow, um, you know, the, the page to be resized or it doesn't resize on upload. And it turns into a 56K website where it loads like a line by line by line by line. That's the kind of thing that we're, we're wanting to avoid. And a lot of people have made, you know, great strides in, in fixing this. But I think for me, you know, the other aspect is the JavaScript side of things as well. Um, you know, there's a lot of people um, have gone on to JavaScript frameworks, you know, such as Angular and, and React, um, but ultimately they're causing render blocking issues as well, where the whole purpose is the load faster, but it actually causes some issues with the, the page load. So having a little look at those two things um, in terms of causes, I think that that's going to be key for, for getting your uh, speed under or your score under 2.5 seconds. Andy, obviously the other big one as well is going to be the hosting piece, isn't it? The, the server time, I think, you know, all the things that Kev spoke about there is how do you optimize, you know, the way you build and structure your website so that when it is called upon, it's as optimized as it possibly can be. But, you know, the, your server response time kind of happens before all of that and can be a fundamental issue across the board if you don't get it right. So, you know, I think it's probably an opportune time to have a look at your hardware and and see is, is that, you know, sticking four seconds on before we even get started and even fixing that could, you know, get you halfway down the runway essentially so you know we are currently going through um this with our clients Brett you know we're going through kind of saying right you know looking at the shared hosting space where your hardware solution might be dictated to because you're on a shared solution you're not in your own dedicated environment whereas if you move to your own dedicated server it can be configured for you and you can make sure that it is configured for your website for the technology you're using and for the level of traffic that you're getting for the space that you need so it's kind of you know, there's, there's many other aspects of being on a dedicated box that you would benefit from in terms of security, ownership, updates. So it's kind of a, a good time to do it. You know, if you're going to the business and, and, and you're needing, you know, additional revenue to, to get a more robust hosting solution, there's now this other kind of um, card to play. And it's also really going to help our ranking and help with the traffic and then the conversion. So it all ties together at the very core of where's my website held? Yeah, and we're not talking about huge sums of money here. You can buy a dedicated solution that's super, super fast, that's secure, that can handle most websites' traffic for you know less than 10k, less than 5k even per annum. And yeah. you're talking about potentially saving a 10, 20, 30 percent impact on your revenue if your rankings decided to disappear. So it does yeah. feel like a, a sensible solution for everybody to be reviewing right now for sure. Um, Dan, anything you want to pick up on a couple of those questions there? Yeah, I think. Kev, you touched on the, the one around JavaScript. You know, th there's always issues with JavaScript. You know, it can cause problems. Google still isn't 100% in terms of the way that it, it looks at JavaScript. It has a separate process for the way that it then renders it itself. So where you can make sure, if you are testing stuff in JavaScript, that you, that you make sure it passes Core Web Vitals and you're not doing too much stuff client-side and you're, you're doing it ideally server-side. I think the other one was a question about what, what size image would you recommend? I think... You know, there's not a specific size of image that you'd recommend. You want it to be as compressed as possible. I think I do think, and, and Andy, you might come to this, that you know, design moving forward is you know, often there was massive hero images at the top, and actually that might start to change behaviors a little bit in terms of design because actually huge images at the top of a page can sometimes impact on how quickly your page loads from that, that largest contentful pain point of view. So that might change, but I guess the key bit with images is 
if you've got a specific size of what it fits on the website, that should be the size of your image. Don't have a higher scale image, like Kev says, where the browser has to do the work of shrinking it down. And that ties us into it to, you know, some of the other stuff we look at as part of Core Web Vitals, but just do the size that's needed and don't don't make the browser have to do more work than it has to. Yeah. Okay. And then I think the next signal, Kev, this looks at kind of the interactivity of the website. Um, this is sort of first input delay. So can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, I think this one is where the, the experience comes into it. So obviously Google's Google owns Chrome, it's the world's biggest browser. So it's got all of this data and information in the background of how users are actually using the websites. So I think what Google are ultimately trying to do here is provide the best experience to, to the user. So yeah, they'll land on the website and it might look great, but if the user can't then use the website, you know, that might be clicking a button, that might be um, you know, using a, a drop down or tapping, tapping anything that's on the page. If, if there's a delay in the time that it takes from the user doing that and then the browser actually carrying out that sort of script, um, you know, a user's going to get frustrated. We've all been there where we've had a mobile and, you know, pressing the button and like, what the hell's going on here? And it's not working. And then you end up just pressing the back button and, and leaving the website. So for me, that is, this is key. It's, it's, it's the experience aspect of, of the, the core web vitals. Um, and Google have come out and said, you know, based on data that they've got, they want to get a score of less than 100 milliseconds, which to me and you is lightning fast. Um, and I can I can list 10 websites now that I've used this morning that just don't have that experience and they're going to be impacted in the May update, unfortunately. Yeah, I think I heard I heard that Amazon actually at the moment doesn't actually pass. So, you know, I think, yep. I, think I think don't feel too bad, everybody, if you don't pass it right now. Uh, but you know, it is something like you say, you've just got to get a focus on over the next two, three months and just put some of these fixes in place. Um, so, Dan, in terms of, I mean, what, what's the most common causes of a, of a poor um, sort of F, FID? Hey, JavaScript. Um, it's a simple answer and we keep touching on it. But, you know, there's a lot of way that you know, things are, have been um, created. And often these, these are core things to your page, actually, the needed functionality. But sometimes they're legacy as well. They're systems there that have execution times that are long or, they, you know, that, that they're not necessarily built in a way that, that is cutting edge now. So it, it's really to understand key pages. And I think often, you know, uh, first input delay is going to impact pages where you have a lot more that a user is going to interact with. You know, things like a, a page where you choose some options or you're signing in, those kind of things where a user is actually going to be clicking stuff on that first load. So. Um, there's lots of different things, but as I say, JavaScript is the main one, and it's where the browser has to do something in the background and get stuff executed for the user to be able to uh, um, use that functionality. So it's all about understanding those pages and, and making sure what you are doing on that page is as, as best it can be for a user in 2021. Okay, brilliant. Um, and then I suppose the, the final area of, of, of sort of core vitals um, looks at, at visual stability of your site um, or the cumulative layout shift. So again, Kev, do you want to diagnose this in uh, English for us and most of the attendees? Yeah, so I think um, this is the, um, the the further extension of that experience aspect. So, you know, the site's loaded quickly, people have landed on the website and they're trying to do something. And it's now all about the the way that the website looks um, on the web, um, you know, when you're visiting the website and you're going to interact with it. If you then go to interact with something on the page and something moves, um, you know, that's that's a bad user experience. So what they're ultimately trying to do 
is they're trying to load important elements on the page, exactly like what Dan's been saying there, preloading uh, all of the elements on the page and making sure that it loads in such a way that the website doesn't move as it, as it is loading. So a prime example of that will be, um, you know, where you go to click a button and all of a sudden the button's moved and, you know, you, you might have clicked an advert, um, which is a very sneaky one that uh, seems to happen quite a bit. Um, or, you know, you might have turned around and um, used an, an intelligent form. These are these are quite popular on um, on very mobile heavy websites where you fill in um, your first name, your last name or whatever, and it, it pre-fills um, a form by adding another field underneath. So you've typed in your name, you've typed in your email address and you go to click submit. Then all of a sudden there's another form there to fill in or another field of the form to fill in. And, you know, that just keeps sort of having that impact. So what Google are trying to do here is to say, hold on, hold on. It's great that there's all of these fancy things to, to, to make your website look amazing, but can you just make sure that it all loads so that when a user actually tries to, to, um, to actually use the website, they're not going to have a bad experience, get frustrated and then bounce back because Google sent you to the website for many reasons. But if it's not having a great experience, it looks bad on Google's part. So, yeah, that's fundamentally what... Um, or cumulative layout shift is is looking at. Um, they've got a um, they've got their own scoring as well. Um, so they're looking at a score of 0.1. Um, and it's not a percent, it's not a, a second, it's just a, a score they have got. Um, they do provide a lot more information on the um on the, the core web vitals help files, which is something that we do send a lot of our developers to. Um, but yeah, that's that's generally the, the score that we're aiming for. Basically, just Stop moving stuff around on the screen. <laughs> that, that's definitely going to be a quick fix. And, and <laughs> yeah, if only if it was that easy, Kev. Um, no, but yeah. I think there is kind of you know there are, there are key things you can you can do here and rules and principles you can set and play because I think as well, Kev. People are websites are, are becoming more kind of engaging. There's more movement and people get you know as you go on my website, you see stuff loading. And you think oh, I want a piece of that, so you start using JavaScript. But all that's doing is it's causing more CLS essentially. It's kind of make, making more things move, and you know it's almost like using CSS to. To build a, I looked at this as it to build a structure before you even load the stuff in, if that makes sense. And it, it's kind of almost forcing a layout. If you imagine you've got to go and call this big, big image, and um, that it's gonna, it might be one of the the, the LCP, the largest image on a page. Like box that, box that space off. Have CSS kind of almost say it's gonna come here. So even if you know it might be a little bit of a delayed load time, you've you've kind of created the page structure, and it's not then gonna shift and move a call to action down or up. Um, there's things like you know loading content in. In, in, in an order that is kind of, I suppose, a natural way. If you get to the bottom of the page and you've got content loading in above you, again, it's going to it's going to cause that layout to move up and down. So it's definitely about kind of just the timing and the priority that you put on on these things to load in to limit that is, is where we kind of try to get our head around that, I suppose. And I think a, a lot of this stuff is the, is the areas we would pick up in an audit that we ran for somebody in that investigation piece. And I think the conversation you guys are having right now from an SEO impact to a page speed to a hardware to a design to a development is just sort of highlights the need to have, you know, all the, all the right people around the table, I think. And this, like, like Dan said earlier, this is a shared problem that the whole business needs to, to get behind and, and get involved in and make sure you've got specialists from, from every discipline to make sure you get the right result. Um, I suppose Dan, there's a, there's a, and, and I suppose guys, there's a few questions coming in there, and we might just want to pick a few of these off before we kind of summarise. So, um, yeah, we've got does it uh, does it affect rankings to take uh, the user out of our site 
and fill in a lead form, for example, and can Google crawl pages that require a password to access? Dan, do you want to pick that one up? Um, sure. Uh, I suppose the last part's easy. No, if it needs a password, Google's not going to see what is past the password piece. I think that probably take that in a different view is, you know, is there a different way that you could pass core vitals by, you know, if you have a, a form that needs to be filled in, I think that's a bit where I saying test and learn. It's not to say you have to get rid of that whole lead form. It's how do you put that and position it in a way that actually maybe it's delayed on load or actually, yes, maybe you do give someone a pop-up, but actually it's not caught to that page that they first land on. So for me, that's just all about that test and learn. There's ways that you'll be able to get around it that allow you to pass core web vitals, but don't take away from what you want to do, which is get someone to fill in that, that lead form. Um, so I think that was one. I think, again, there's a couple of questions around images again. Andy, you can probably touch on the ones for compression, but... Um, I think, you know, again, there's always a question with things like WordPress, what do you use, what type of plugins? For me, it's always just a case of, you know, use what's best for use of business, but try and make sure anything that's done on image and scaling is done server-side and not client-side. So you actually have got the right size image when the page loads, and it's not trying to do that on the fly. Yeah, we, I think, I think what's even probably better than that is to go even at the very, very beginning and, and optimize images on a kind of case-by-case -case basis. You know, there's so many tools out there that you can just, you know, if you export an image from Photoshop, let's say, ready for your web and you think it's web safe and you, you reduce the colors, it's a balance at first to make sure you don't provide a really low quality image that when put on a retina display is just going to look awful. So, you know, what can you do to kind of keep the resolution where it needs to be and then use tools like TinyPNG? And, you know, then you can re-optimize it and that'll squash an image by, you know, 80% on some occasions, you know, make sure you're using JPEGs where you can instead of PNGs, that'll also help because, you know, you, there will be quick quick fixes on this guys as well. So if you imagine you've got a WordPress website and you you might use a tool that will blanket compress your images, but that, that will apply a percentage to everything. So you might have images that were absolutely fine that they then take the quality too low that it becomes just ugly yeah really and 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 you know you, you naturally i want it to always look as good as it possibly can you know that that's what you know the user has to have a great experience but it's that trade-off and i think the danger of doing it as a blanket is you then make something look not good enough quality for a customer yeah we did that with one of our clients a large global insurance firm and we took the site and just did everything and stripped it right back so it got pretty much 100 percent core web vital score and when you put the two websites side by side you know it, it it just it looked so poor it just it, it you know the, the brand implications and so they're, they're like they like the guys are saying there's got to be some trade-offs here between you know that brand that Im image that customer perception experience versus just adhering to, to, to the, the wants and requirements of google and and just getting that balance right i think is is key really um in terms of um, what did you say there andy just for everybody it was tiny png was tiny it? png yeah it's a free tool um, and it is literally about you drag and drop your image and it'll spit you another one out. That's kind of stripped all of the unnecessary bits of the file. Um, and, and it is fantastic. Great. Um, and we had a question from Jess Faith. So do you get uh, one overall score based on all core web three vitals or do you get three separate scores? Dan? So it's three separate scores. They're all measured in, in different ways because they're all looking at different things. I think... In Google's eyes, though, you're effectively going to pass or fail. So you need to, to pass all three of those or you don't. So ultimately, it's kind of a, a true or false for, for Google. So you know, to get any of those benefits, it's not like getting two out of three is going to give you two thirds of the benefit of passing core vitals. It's kind of it's all or nothing. Um, so so really, it's about looking at all three in isolation, seeing how you pass them. But the key is, you know, if you 
if you've done work and you've passed two out of three, you need to try and do work to get the third one passed. Otherwise, that, that's a bit, a bit lost uh, in terms of the effort that you've put in. And then a final one there, Dan, again, um, just to look at, um, does the homepage have more influence than secondary pages? And should we be focusing on optimizing just the homepage? So I, I kind of covered that a bit earlier, but no, it, each page could pass or fail independent of other pages on the site. You know, if majority of your rankings are the homepage, then obviously homepage is going to be your prime target to make sure it passes first. But actually the likelihood is you're going to have lots of different pages across the site that drive your organic mobile traffic and revenue. So it's looking at all of those and making sure you pass across all of the ones that are important for driving you, you know, growth and success as a business. And then um, I think any of the any other ones there we can just quickly pick up, guys, before we wrap up. If the, if the current implementation of a site is framework heavy, i.e. jQuery, et cetera, and, net, and reworking it would be a project in itself, what's best in terms of core web vitals, CDN-based or self-hosted, Andy? Big question. Um, so obviously a, a robust CDN will cover off a lot, you know, and you can kind of, that will definitely, definitely help. You know, from a self-hosted perspective, that is definitely a better solution because you can start playing around with kind of caching, for example, you know, on the new MediaWorks website, we've built, you know, we cache a lot of content uh, quite heavily in order so that we're not reloading images in and we've, you know, we've got some really nice animations going on there. So we're, we're using caching a lot to kind of help speed bits of that up and putting some code that we know isn't going to change um, very often in, in the cache. So from a self-hosted perspective, that will help because you can start moving some of that um, kind of code across. But a CDM would be a great way to do it because it's obviously it's more costly, but it will really kind of improve performance from a, a hardware perspective. Okay. And then just last one, Andy, I suppose, again, for you from Kerry Noble. What about video on site? Will this have a negative impact? I suppose not just for you, Andy, for anybody really. What's the views on video, guys? It, it depends. Obviously, video file is um, is very, can, can be really heavy in terms of load times. You know, if you use something like YouTube, um, where you all you're really doing is embedding the link and you're not really calling that content until you press play. So avoid autoplay where possible because then you are unnecessarily kind of calling content drawn down on on like um, resource to, to load a page in. So I would think don't shy away from it. And again, the reason why I say don't shy away from it, a lot of this, what Google's trying to do here, is build better experiences, right? And, and increase. Well, looks like Andy's gone there. It sounded like he was going to say better experiences and increase yeah. conversion. I'm going to guess that. Um, I, I think probably the, the key is, you know, like what they don't want is to go back to the old world where we've got a white page with times you room in front on it. So I think it's it's that balance between, you know, it needs to be a good page experience, but also, you know, don't just strip stuff out because of, because of the sake of it. So it's getting that balance. So um, I think it, it's working both in and, and that's across the piece. Video is still really important from a conversion point of view, so don't forget about it. Yeah. Okay, brilliant. Well, look, I think for me, in terms of kind of summarizing sort of five key takeaways, I think, um, you know, first thing, assess how you currently perform and build that roadmap. You know, it is going to hit mobile first, but desktop is coming and May is just around the corner. So you definitely need to be focusing on this, you know, now if you're going to get this thing in place. Um, second thing, it's a shared problem. You know, it needs to be owned collectively. There's going to be design issues, dev issues, SEO impact, conversion impact, and, and general business operation impacts around those third-party plugins. Um, I think, you know, key thing as well is there's no silver bullet. This is all about test and learn. This isn't a, a checklist you can work through. And at the bottom of it, 
problem solved. This is going to be an iterative process and it's not going to be nailed first time. So give yourself two or three months runway, get started now and make sure it's refined well in advance of, of May. Um, don't forget the importance of, of the highest quality hosting. You know, hosting's kind of become this thing that's been forgotten a little bit and it's just kind of like something that needs to be done and, and any old hosting will do. That's not the case, you know, around with security issues. There's, I think there's more and more cyber attacks reported than ever in 2020 because of the world going digital, you know, but, but the impact it now has on your business's visibility and revenue driving capability it's absolutely critical. So, so focus on hosting and like I say, small investment, you get a big return. And then finally, I think, you know, addressing all of these issues and, and, and risk. Yes, this is kind of pitched as a, an SEO problem or a Google organic algorithm update, but think about the impact and the benefits on other channels like, you know, paid search, affiliates, all of those other areas. You know, your website is the focal point for your entire marketing you know, in, in probably every customer in, in interaction and engagement with existing new business. So making that experience as, as slick and as seamless and as positive as possible can only be a good thing for, for every part of your business. Um, and just so, yeah, thank you. Thank you to the panelists. Thank you to everybody who's attended. Um, again, please don't forget, we, we'd love to give you a free audit of your core web vitals as part of today. And, and MediaWorks would love to help you out if you have got any challenges. Um, so please do take us up on that offer. Um, it, it can only help. And um, we'll be back next Tuesday with a look at, you know, the, the, the fact that organic traffic might be under threat in the next quarter or so. We're going to have a look at, you know, paid traffic, paid search and understanding, you know, how can you make sure that your PPC and your other channels are working as hard as possible so that if you do have an impact further down the line, you know, you try to mitigate that threat if you need to. Uh, Q2, Q3, when this this algorithm gets rolled out. So check back in for that. We'll send everyone a, a link to the podcast um, and, a, and a thank you. And yeah, thanks for your time. We really appreciate it. And thanks to all the panelists. Cheers, guys. Hey, hey, hey.